Welcome to Haptic Feedback with Shaco, mobile by design. Hello, and welcome to Haptic Feedback. My name is Dan Kui, and I'm your host this week. And with me today is Alex Otanias, the Shaco CEO. Hey, Alex, how you doing? Hey, Dan, how are you doing? I love the fact that you have Boston in your background and I have Boston in my hat. Really I, looking I, forward to today. You know, I, I did it specifically for you because I knew you love Boston <laughs> and I knew you, you uh, love what the Red Sox are doing right now. Uh, yes, I will love what they do. I think they lost last night, but they are going to come back tomorrow. Yeah, there we go. There we go. And actually, that's a good segue into what we're trying to talk about. I mean, post-COVID here, you know, it's nice to see people getting back to the games and everything. Yeah, I know. It's 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 fun to to basically have people in the games participating, not having to watch this from from their TV. They actually have phones in their hands at the game, enjoying everything that the game could bring. So yeah, to your point, um, I, I think it's 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 a little what's to come with with both Shaco, the future of tech and, and entertainment and, and customers. So happy yeah. to be here. Yeah, absolutely, and thank you. You know, I like to call COVID the the great change. And, you know, and it, it, and it really brings us to what we were just discussing, which is, you know, people have been used to using various platforms as smartwatches, cell phones, tablets, their TVs, their PCs, their Macs. And, you know, there, there's got to be a convergence of this technology moving forward, especially since people have found new ways to interact in life. So we call this at Shaco, right? We call it our multi-platform approach. And so maybe you could expand upon that a little bit and, and give... Uh, the audience a little idea of what we mean in a grassroots sort of way. Yeah, no, fantastic. So, so I think to your point, COVID, one of the things that I'm fascinated about is the fact that technology advanced so much quicker during COVID when we were stuck in our houses and, and the progression I think has been measured in terms of years. So over the last 12 months, we've essentially progressed what would be the equivalent of about two to three years. So to your point, People are, are expecting mature technology out of everything they interact with these days, whether it's their watch, whether it's a, a voice box, whether it's a chat box, whether it's our computer or, or a phone, or even a kiosk and screen at a baseball game. Beyond that, so, so there's, there's really two concepts that, that we're bringing to life here at Shaco. The first one is creating these mature experiences across the, the various platforms, whether it's voice or, or a wearable or a phone or a kiosk. And the second thing, which is probably more important, is the connection between those devices. I don't want to, as a consumer, as a consumer of technology or a user of technology, I don't want to have to restart a new process when, when I basically completed it on this thing. I don't want to have to restart it on my watch. For the last five or 10 years, we've been designing experiences for web or designing experiences for mobile. And, and I think what we will start seeing from from companies like Shaco, from companies in the business, um, the Apples of the world, the Amazons of the world, is this connection between, between peripherals or between devices. So the connection between platforms and what we call multi-platforms. Yeah, and this connection, I think, really has to do with customer satisfaction, customer engagement, mm -hmm. customer loyalty. And I think that's you know one of the things that we've been hearing as we talk to enterprise customers is that, hey, we've done all these IT things, we've done all these platform enhancements, but now we really need to focus on the customer because the customers are driving the need back to us. And so, so I, I think we're starting to see that, that, that change around and the customers are having a new voice into how enterprise proceeds with multi-platform approaches. 
Correct. A lot of a lot of the 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 enterprise companies that I've spoken to over the last three to six months are essentially looking for new forms to keep those customers engaged in a meaningful way, in in an enriching way, right? So they don't just want to create space and time on the device. They want to make sure that you get a task done. They want to make sure that you build that loyalty. And when you're done with the phone and you move on to a an Alexa or a Google Home or your watch, these same customers want to make sure that those experiences are there as well. The example that I've been using over the last few weeks is if, if you think about the shopping experience for a couch, right? We've all shopped for couches. It's not fun. Um, well, it might be fun for some people, but what you do is, is you're basically sitting in front of your couch and, and you might start typing it on your laptop or looking for it on your phone and you finally find the couch you want. And then some of the more advanced companies now have AR mechanisms that let you place the couch on a living room to see the size and the, and the dimension, right? But you can't get there directly from the computer or from your website. So now you have to basically interrupt that experience and download an app that allows you to position the couch on the living room. And so you have that disconnection and the customer gets a little bit frustrated, right? Then you finally find the perfect couch and you have to interrupt the experience again and you have to go back to the search engine and find the location where you could actually go buy the couch. And so again, there's these little interruptions. So the siloed experiences are, are very, very good, right? I think it's those interruptions that enterprises are going to start solving for. So how do I get from a web search to an app to a product placement seamlessly without interrupting that, that, that customer experience? And then once I have the product in hand, how do I make sure that the customer experience, the CX, the delivery of the couch is seamless? The messaging of, hey, by the way, the couch is on the way is seamless, right? And in today's world, it's all done on a phone, right? Or it's all done on, on a website. I think there's so much technology that we could take advantage of, such as a watch for notifications or such as voice to basically allow the customer to communicate with, with the enterprise uh, brand. So I, I think in the coming months, so the next 12 to 24 months, the customers or the enterprises that connect those experiences well are the ones that I think we're going to see succeed in the space right now. Yeah, I, I mean, it's funny. Um, I mean, you've been a senior strategist for IBM and you've been a thought leader on, on this multi-platform approach for quite some time. Interoperability between all these devices is an issue. And, you know, as you know, you and I have dealt with a customer who, who basically said, I want my customer to come in the store. They're coming from their, their cell phone. They're going to talk to a, a tablet, a kiosk, and we want to be able to have that information merge seamlessly with the devices that they're using. So sort of bring the internet to the customer instead of the internet, you know, instead of you having to search for the internet. So yeah. how do you, I know you've talked to a lot of different companies. How do you see that message being, you know, coming forth with the, during the conversations that you've been having with some enterprise customers? It's, it's exactly what you just said, right? So a lot of our customers are looking for that magic bullet, that, that, that platform, that solution that allows them to build once for all these different devices. And I think to your point is the interoperability between those devices is simply not there. And I don't think, I mean, it's gonna be very hard to create a, a one size fits all. So the best thing that you could do is make sure that one, the teams within, within your, your solutions are communicating and focused on features and experiences, right? So it's not about interoperability of the actual devices. It's about making sure that the teams that are focused on building the voice experience, the kiosk experience, the mobile experience, understand the features that they are rolling out 
and they understand the scenes that a customer is experiencing or, or that customer experience along the way so they can build for those. So feature-focused development is something that we already do, but it's featured-focused development across platforms that is essential for this, this type of success. The second thing is, is getting a better understanding of your customer, right? That, that login, log out, that process gets interrupted very quickly. I think a company that's doing this very, very well is Netflix. Very different, right? Very different than, than a retail experience. But if I'm watching a movie on Netflix on my phone and I get to my house and I really just want to like continue watching the movie, I don't have to log in. I don't have, I mean, Netflix, literally, I turn on Netflix and the show's there I, I, at the exact spot that I left it off. Right. And I, I think if, if we take that, exactly, right? If we take yep. that concept and bring it into retail, bring it into consumer goods, we're going to see a lot of cool things happen. Now, you mentioned some emerging technology. You mentioned augmented reality or extended reality or whatever the flavor is hap happens to be this week. How do you see customers interacting with that nowadays? Or do you see their acceptance levels going up as we move forward in this multi-platform approach? Oh, yeah. I don't know if this analogy is going to make sense, but it's, it's one that, that, that's landed with a few customers. I think augmented reality is going to do for retail what Instacart did for groceries, right? And right. what I mean by that is you have a lot of people because of the pandemic that are now shopping from their phones all the time. They don't go into the grocery stores. I was talking to our CFO last night and she went into the grocery store for the first time in six months. Um, she had nothing to do. So she walked into oh. the grocery store. And, um, yeah. And so she, she felt, she felt, um, she's like, I feel funny, but I'm enjoying this. Right. So, <laughs> so again, right. Instacart and, and several other companies essentially brought the shopping experience, the, the grocery shopping experience to our phones. I think what we're going to see with, with products like Shopify and, and some of these uh, mobile e-commerce sites is they're going to start using augmented reality to essentially drive that experience in your phone, right? Because unlike, I mean, I don't need to see what a banana looks like when I buy it. I don't need to right, see, I mean, right. I, I know what it looks like, right? But I think if, if, if we start talking about couches or shoes or hats or glasses, it'd be really nice to, to, to get a 3D perspective or a try-on perspective. So yeah, I'm, I think augmented reality is really going to bring, bring that home. The other thing that augmented reality is going to do is help service clients remotely. You're starting to see that from, from companies like Best Buy or Peloton, and they're really using augmented reality to essentially get in your face and get in that space, which is really cool. Yeah, one of the things I like about the emerging tech is that it also helps um, to personalize the experience and, and allow for uh, my individual preferences on sort of things. Um, and, and that's not to mean the spooky stuff where they're actually, you know, the, the app and, and the associated vendors are actually spying on you to see what you're doing, but it understands what I'm trying to do and, and helps me through the process of keeping the experience seamless. So where do you see things going over the next few years with some of this? Good question. If I had to guess, companies are going to be focused on protecting privacy a lot more, more than they have today, right? It, privacy is more than just a statement. It's, it's an action now. And with, with the education of consumers, more companies will turn that statement into an action, right? You have DuckDuckGo who basically says, hey, listen, we don't keep your data, period. That's it. That's our privacy statement. And so that action is very, very simple. And the reason I bring up privacy is as a consumer, if I know my data is protected 
or only used for a specific action, then I am going to be more willing to provide information to the technology company that is providing this service or this experience for me, right? So as an example, if, if I'm walking into a retail store and I'm using my phone and I walk into the retail store and I know that this retail store does not take my data at all because they, they make sure that I know that, then my phone might be able to identify me in the store as the consumer. And then as I transfer from one technology experience to another, so from a phone to a kiosk or from a phone to a, a voice machine, a, a voice service, then I don't have to start the experience again because I know that this customer is protecting my data. Therefore, that experience can be transferred because right now there is no way to keep that, right? Customers are reluctant to give any information to anybody. And it's just because we've, we've treated privacy as a legal document rather than an experience. So more and more companies are going to be focusing on privacy and, and an action rather than a legal document. Once we get past that privacy statement, I think we're going to see that emerging tech really prevail. Yeah, and I think you make a good point because a lot of these technologies nowadays are capturing a person's experience. And that experience many times is in the home. Uh, look at Alexa okay. or Google Home or any of the other products, right? So, so privacy becomes very much a concern for the individual. But it also, you know, I, I have to wonder too, you know, it's a convenience thing too, right? Yeah. Because some consumers really want to have the convenience of that smart device providing information. So there's, there's got to be this, this balancing act that, that takes place. And, and I don't know that things like GDPR and some of the other, you know, uh, regulations out there, uh, whether they're helping or hurting the industry to actually work out how all of this is going to transpire over the next few years. Yeah. I mean, to your point, I think, I don't know the implications of those, but I do know that they are legal documents more so than actionable behaviors that the customers experience. I was talking to somebody from Capital One this morning and, and we are reviewing a privacy document and not for Capital One, but just for a different, for, for a different business. And, and she made a really good point that, that really stuck with me, right? She's like, privacy should not be a legal document. It should be an action companies take. And I yes. think once we start seeing more of that, these experiences are just going to be incredible, right? I think the power of AR, like really like being able to overlay information as, as, as we experience things is not intrusive, right? Like a little notification here or, or an overlay here that that's really, really cool. And I think we're going to see the phone basically become more and more powerful, right? Think for us to a certain extent. I think if, if we're able to connect the phone with glasses, we're really going to start seeing like these, these connected experiences, what we call that multi-platform experience. But before we do any of that, we really have to focus on privacy as an action. You know, and, and this sort of gets back into the, the main topic of the discussion, which was multi-platform. And up to this point, you've seen a lot of enterprise companies actually keeping that inside their IT, inside their infrastructure. And now it's shifting, right? Because now the focus is not so much on IT as it is with the consumer. And so how do you feel, or what do you feel is going to happen there in terms of development processes? Do these companies keep reach, staying inside and doing their development internally, or are they going to rely on other partners externally to help them reach the customer and engage the customer better? That's a good question. So, it was so a long-winded question, wasn't it? No, <laughs> it's, it's, there's, so many things I, there's so many things I could do with that question. So I think the biggest challenge that a lot of the companies are going to have is 
their siloed approach to development, right? So if, if I'm an iOS developer, I work on an iOS function for one feature. And in today's world, people like developers, right? Like the development teams are, are at times getting bored of, of literally focused on the loading screen or the login screen or this feature screen. And that's the first problem. The second problem is because of the siloed nature or the siloed development approach that has taken place, these teams aren't communicating. So as they're building a watch app and an iOS app and, and a voice app, the three teams are, are never really communicating other than probably once a quarter to basically create a roadmap. I think it's going to be hard for a lot of enterprises to keep this in-house and they're going to need consulting firms or specialists to connect these different teams and connect the dots. I think the other thing that's happening is because technology is rolling out so fast, consulting firms can have that opportunity to work with various industries, various partners, and on various opportunities. And they bring that experience in-house as, as expertise and as innovation that really brings forward the connection between the platforms and, and the speed at which they are releasing products. I'm going to flip that question to you, if you don't mind. I mean, you're seeing, you're seeing a lot of this, if, if not more than I am. I mean, what do you think is going to happen in the industry? Yeah, you know, talking with a lot of customers, you know, big companies these days, some, you know, obviously take the position that they've got everything covered internally. And you can probe a little bit, but, you know, you get that, you get sort of get that wall that says, yeah, we've got it covered. And that's natural. But then others fully admit, look, you know, we've had our heads down into our own task and the things that we have to do. And it's, it's difficult for us to see what's outside of the box and see how we can better engage. And they're looking for ideas from companies to actually help them. And, and, and maybe, maybe in some instances, it's not so much that they need the development help, but they need the idea help. So I think in a lot of what I've been able to do with the team that we have is sit up, uh, set up a meeting beforehand where we actually talk through the issues that they're seeing and understand what the goals really are, how they want to engage their customers and whether those customers are internal or external customers. And that's an important point too, because many times they typically forget about their internal customers. So I think that, I think the emphasis now is shifting where you've, maybe you've seen a lot, a lot of money put into digital transformation and the infrastructure inside companies to build that. But they've got, that's got to transition to the outside. It's got to transition to the actual customers. And that experience to engage those customers has to be beef up that goes along with what we're seeing on the inside and the enterprise side. That's true. So I'm, I'm going to ask you one more question. Sure. Because I've, I've asked a lot of people this, but what's one thing you want to build next year or in the next 12 months? Like what's, what's one cool piece of technology that you want to release into, into the market? For a client or for Shaco or I was gonna say, do I have to be practical or impractical? <laughs> I, I mean, impractical. Let's go with impractical. That was you know, with, better. With with all the travel I've done, I've always said if you give me a, a transporter like in Star Trek, I'd be happy. Could go to any meeting anytime. That's the multi the multi-platform approach. Anytime, anywhere. Burger King, have it your way. Yeah. So what if we bring it down to practical? How do you make that practical? Yeah, I actually think that you can be anywhere, anytime nowadays, uh, you know, talking about the multi-platform. Not that, not that I was thinking about this before you asked the question, but, but I, I do think with the convenience of all the devices that we have, uh, we can be anywhere, anytime. 
And if you combine augmented reality, extended reality, mixed reality, whatever you want to call it at, at this point in time, that only enhances the experience to make you feel like you're there and you really are participating. The only thing that I will, I will caution on that is that the social, I, I never want to lose the social aspects of that engagement with your customer. And I caution companies all the time about the need to really engage with your customer and not just be virtual. Yeah, there's something to that personal presence, right? Yeah. It makes it makes that connection easier. Yeah, I think uh, during the pandemic, we've grown so much. And a lot of the people that, that have joined Sharko, as you know, are, are now remote. And so when I get to see them for that first time, I'm like, whoa, that is so cool. Hi. Well, we, uh, we never met for months. <laughs> correct, right? And that, and so, yeah, so, uh, so that's a good segue into the company, uh, we, which we haven't talked about up to this point. But tell us a little bit about Sharko. So I think... So we've been around for about 10 years, a little over 10 years. We have roughly 60 people now based out of Richmond, Virginia. Um, started as a company focused on mobile. So we've been building mobile applications from the get-go for, for customers and employees, right? So the reason we do both is employees are your number one way to gain traction with your customers. And, and a lot of companies in, in the early days of mobile really focused on that consumer-facing experience. So when we started building applications, we said, hmm, what if we build really cool apps for employees and allow them to do their jobs better? 2014, 2015, that was relatively novel. And, and I think that's where we kind of gained traction or gained momentum. So as we grew our company, we, we really focused on, on three things. The first one was mobile apps. The second one was enterprise apps. And then the third one was a niche app, which was supply chain. So my background's in supply chain, and we built a lot of supply chain applications to help movement of products, which is a very popular topic today, as you know. Yes, I think our first real transition or growth came with um, augmented reality and virtual reality. So 2000, I guess, 2018-ish, we decided that we were going to go beyond mobile and integrate augmented reality into the applications that we build and the wearables that we use. And we've been doing that for about two, three years successfully. And, and really, like, I, I think there's so much space to play from, from an AR or, I guess, immersive or extended reality. We've also done some voice applications. And, and I think one of the things that, that I, I guess I'm never, it never ceases to amaze me is the type of people that work at Shaco, right? So not only do we have great clients, we have some incredible, um, incredible people that are committed to our mission, to our growth, and, and to serving our clients from product strategy to design to development. It's just really cool to, to, to work in a company where everybody has each other's back and I think I'll finish with this. Um, not sharing too much of our secret sauce, but I think our approach to strategy is very unique in that it's it's usable by clients and executable by developers. So um, a lot of our clients that work with us really focus on, on essentially using us or working with us to bring that product strategy to life and make sure that what they are building is, is both usable and measurable. And, and from there, the actual build of the product, the design and the build of the product becomes so much easier. And we use that not only for mobile applications, but to justify voice, to justify AR, to justify moving into these emerging technologies. And when the products are done, it, it actually, it's, it's, it's really fun to see because so much work in, went into that strategy and design that when, when the product rolls out, people are like, oh my God, that's exactly what I felt the product would be like. And, and, and I think that's, that's, that's very special for us. Yeah, you know, it, it's funny being a, a recent 
new hire with the company that, you know, I, I've seen some of your quotes and everything from the customers, uh, from Shaco customers, and you read the quotes and you go, yeah, I've seen these quotes before. You know, it says, yeah, Shaco, Shaco really did understand our, our needs. Uh, mm -hmm. And it wasn't, I think, until I actually started working with some of the larger customers that came on board and putting the team together and working with the teams and addressing the customer needs that you get the feedback from the customer and they really truly believe that we are there in their best interest, that we understand their pain, uh, we understand their vision for, the, for a solution in the future, and they wanna be long-term partners. And that's, that really is truly re refreshing. And, and I know we, you and I sort of talked about this, this podcast before we, you know, before we actually got here and talked about one of the last bullets here about why Shaco. And I think the things that I just mentioned are probably why Shaco, because we really do take a different approach and we substantiate that with positive evidence of ROI on the back end. Is there anything you want to add to that before I, before I close this out? Or? Yeah, you actually just said something that was incredible. So most consulting firms will ask their clients the following thing, right? What do you want the application to do? What do you think the application to do? What, what do you think you want the application to do, right? So it's all about thought. If, if you come to Shaco and Dan, you've already experienced this and you just mentioned it. We actually ask the question, how do you want your customer to feel when they use the application? And, and it's a subtle difference, right? It's, it's think versus feel. But in that feeling and that emotion, that's where that action becomes more doable. So I think that's a very big difference for, for us versus a lot of our competitors, right? How do you want them to feel when they use this app? How do you want them to, to be after they finish their task? So I think I want to- That's a good point. I mean, and, and I could probably extend that to say, we want the whole team to have the feeling, uh, regardless exactly. of what side of the fence they sit on. Exactly, so, yeah, good point. Alex, I want to thank you for your time today. I know you've been very busy um, with all your schedules, but uh, enjoyed the conversation and, that, and I'm sure we'll do some more of these. Yeah, this was awesome. Thank you, Dan. Okay. Nice picture and I'll talk to you soon. Okay, thanks, Alex. See ya. Bye.